My name is Ian, and I'm the student pastor here at Eagle Church, and I am very excited for this morning. And I wanted to actually just start so that you could hear from me how grateful I am to get to do life with this church. It's been just over four years since I moved here, and since then I've found this place to be such a joy-filled place of community. Um, it's been a grow, like growing season for myself. I'm not the same person that I was when I moved here, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, it's been a place of healing, and so I just want you guys to know that I'm grateful and thankful for who you guys are as a church in my life. Well, since so much of today is in light of Easter, I actually wanted to show a quick video to give you a little insight into what goes on in the minds of pastors around Easter. Now, most Christian comedians are not funny, but this guy that you're going to see is hilarious. And see, Pastor Eric, he loves to bring kind of the Gen X humor, right? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, he brings that middle-aged humor to the church, and I... I thought, okay, well, we're going to young it up in here. We're going to bring the millennial humor forward. So take a look at this video. It's called Pastors on Easter. Okay, everybody, listen up. This is Easter. Shuttles and golf carts in the parking lot. Now, has everyone in here, staff or volunteer, shared our graphically designed Easter invitation on their personal Instagram? This is for the kingdom. Who is trimming these hedges? A youth intern? For heaven's sakes. And connect cards, connect cards, connect cards. Do we have the right mixture of haze in the fog machine? I mean, we don't need new members, but did we get the rose petals in the visitor parking spaces? We are pro-Jesus and pro-Easter bunny. Donuts. Check. Coffee. Check. Make sure we have gluten-free communion, fat-free communion, Whole30 communion, vegan communion, paleo communion, non-GMO communion. Honestly, everybody needs to keep their phones out because I will be saying some very tweetable quotes this morning. The Easter basket is full, but the tomb is empty. This is Easter. No, the youth pastor cannot do announcements. We don't want any visitor to feel uncomfortable in any way at any time, but we will ask them to fill out a connect card with their children's names and ages. Why would you even ask about the worship set list? It's Jesus paid it all, Christ alone, Christ is risen. This is the best great team we have. Who trained these people? For one Sunday, please, can you just not be weird? Make sure all the visitors know that they are under no pressure to give, okay? But we'd love to see them come back, and if they do come back, we're starting a series on giving next week. <laughs> Don't, I know it's like shameless plug for John Chris, he's hilarious, and don't worry, we are not starting a series on giving this week. So back to the task at hand. We've been in John, and all through March and April, we were walking through Lent. So we had our one-day wall where people could put up prayer requests, big asks of the Lord, that one day God would answer them, right? And one day he would intervene and intercede. We've seen some amazing answers to prayer. We also have plenty of people who are still in that season of waiting. Then it's Good Friday, and we come together, we remember, we reflect, and we consider what is it in our sin that, you know, put him on the tree, and what did our God suffer on our behalf? But then it was Easter Sunday, right? And Easter is amazing. You know, people sing out on Easter Sunday. Like, we got to sing out like that all year because it's just people are excited. Jesus is alive. Death is defeated. The stone is rolled away. But sometimes after Easter, we then fall into something that I like to call the Easter fizzle. It is kind of like what happens when you eat an entire bag of Peeps all by yourself. Now, don't act like you haven't done it. Peeps are amazing. 
But the Easter fizzle is kind of like that because the Easter fizzle is what happens when we choose to do the wrong thing with a good thing. So peeps are amazing, heavenly even, but we can choose to do the wrong thing with them. We can choose to open them too early before they are properly crisp, right? To eat. My dad taught me well. Or we can choose to do the wrong thing with our peeps by eating an entire box of them all by ourselves, which then we regret, and the people around us on Easter dinner also regret it. Easter is a really good thing. I know it is amazing that they let me get up here and say profound things like that. Easter is a really, really good thing, but we can choose to do the wrong thing with it, and that's where the Easter fizzle comes in. So last week, I bet if you were here, you left this place like so excited, so encouraged and refreshed. You're feeling the blessings of the Lord. But if our excitement from Easter doesn't lead us to tell everyone about Jesus, then we fizzle. If our encouragement from Easter is based more in a feeling than in the resurrection power of Christ, we will fizzle. And maybe if we were viewing Lent as more of a spiritual booster shot instead of as another opportunity to be that much more in step with the Spirit, then we fizzle out. Thankfully, on the very first Easter Sunday, Jesus tells us what we need to avoid the Easter fizzle. He tells us what we need so that we don't go through a whole nother year, year after year, without being able to point to anything that can't be explained by just saying, like, that's a God thing. So that's where we'll be this morning, and I want to invite you guys to pray with me now. The goal is that myself and everyone who's up here, we fade away so that we can just hear from the Lord. So pray with me towards that end, and we'll jump in. Heavenly Father, we come to you because you alone are worthy of praise and adoration and worship. Lord, we know that you are the God who speaks to us. So Lord, we ask that on this side of Easter, would we be able to focus and hear clearly from you what are you inviting us into so that we could be just this community that is so filled up by you that it changes everything. So towards that end, we pray. And Lord, I ask that you would give us ears to hear, but also that we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, but then doers as well. So I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So if you'd like to join me, we're in John 20. This is the last week we'll be in John, and we're going to start in verse 19. You can follow along with your own copy. I'll be reading out of the ESV. You can also read up on the screens. But briefly, just to set the scene, it is still Easter Sunday, and Christ has just appeared to Mary Magdalene. So this is verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews... Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, 
unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So Easter happened. How do we avoid this Easter fizzle? Well, first, by being filled with the Spirit. There is a massive shift taking place in John 20. Because in the Old Testament, the Spirit existed, but Spirit indwelling was permanent or was temporary. You know, it would come and go. So what Jesus is doing is this massive shift, and I think we can understand this as a preview, a literal precursor of what's to come in Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit falls on the believers at Pentecost. For those of us living now, we live always on the other side of Acts 2, so when we receive Jesus for the first time, we have the Spirit. Ephesians 1 tells us that we, that we believe in the Lord and we're sealed with the promise that promise is the Holy Spirit. So to just like set the stage for us, if you are one here who does not yet know Jesus, man, like I would, I would love for that to happen this morning because that is the first step. And Pastor Eric gave a crystal clear gospel presentation last week that Jesus, fully God, fully man, came, he died on the cross, rose again three days later to pay the penalty for our sins. If we put our faith in him, then we receive him and we receive the spirit. So that is step one. But probably for most of us in this room who know Jesus, we have the Spirit, but sometimes we are not filled with the Spirit. Maybe you relate. Maybe you know you know Jesus, but you just lack peace. Or you come over and over again on Sunday mornings, listen to sermons, but you cannot find joy. Perhaps you're feeling that conviction that, man, I need to live more openly as a Christ follower in the workplace, but I can't find the courage. Or, you know, the kid who knows Jesus and goes for years and years, but simultaneously has that, that secret sin struggle, that, that sin issue. That's what it kind of looks like for us as we are having the spirit, but not being filled with him. So Easter brings this hope for something more. Dwight L. Moody, renowned evangelist of the 19th century, was said to have a campaign in England. An elderly pastor protested, why do we need this Mr. Moody to come here? He's uneducated, inexperienced. Who does he think he is, is anyway? Does he think that he has a monopoly on the Holy Spirit? But another wiser pastor rose and responded, no, he doesn't have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit but the Holy Spirit has monopoly on Mr. Moody. That monopoly that the Spirit had on Moody, that is what being filled is like, right? So sustained supernatural joy, victory over sin, boldness in witness, effectiveness in ministry, that is what it is to be filled. D.L. Moody himself said, and you can read this in the notes or on the screen, I believe firmly that the moment our hearts 
are emptied of pride and selfishness and ambition, the Holy Spirit will fill every corner of our hearts. But if we are full of pride and conceit and ambition and the world, there is no room for the Spirit of God. We must be emptied before we can be filled. So Jesus keeps it real simple on that first Easter Sunday, right? Breathes on the disciples, fulfills John 14, and says, receive the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit. And I think, well, like, how, how does that happen? I think a big part is asking, praying repeatedly, pursuing the Spirit, obedience in things big and small. That's the how. I think... As I was preparing for this message, it hit me that I've had some, like some experiences that, that are like that. You know, seasons of, of joy, being able to respond to a prompting from the Spirit, maybe when I'm convicted of my own sin, or when I know, oh, God wants me to share part of my story to minister to someone, and you offer that word from the Lord. Or maybe you don't know what to say and you know that, oh, God stood in the gap for me. Like he carried me along, like he carried along the Old Testament prophets and he spoke for me. Those are those experiences that I've had some of that. We've probably had some of that. But I want more. And Francis Chan, one of my favorite pastors, he writes, Christ said it is better for us that the spirit came and I want to live like I know that is true. Christ said, it is better for us that the Spirit came, and I want to live like I know that is true. Like, I want to live like I know it's true. So Easter Sunday, we avoid the Easter fizzle by being filled with the Spirit. Another thing you see is, we avoid the Easter fizzle by being about the mission. So Jesus said to the disciples in the passage, as the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you. So Jesus is sending all of his disciples, present day and back then, to join him in this mission. Now something changed, right? Something shifted for the disciples because they went from being pretty, lame cowardly followers to all of a sudden being willing to follow Jesus even to the point of death. What changed was Resurrection Sunday. They saw it. And it changed them. You might have caught something in the text that was a little bit confusing. So why don't you look with me at verse 23 in John 20. Jesus says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. I don't know about you, but is that confusing? Like, I read that probably a couple weeks ago when I started prepping, and I was like, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. What am I going to do? So, of course, you get into your commentaries, you're asking people. And I was wrestling with, why does it seem that Jesus is saying that we as people have the power to forgive sins when we know from other parts of Scripture that that cannot be true? The context is going to clue us into what it means. So you and I do not have the power to forgive sins, but we do have the power to announce forgiveness. We do not have the power to forgive people's sins, but we do have the power to proclaim forgiveness. 
I put this in your notes. There's a theologian, Merrill Tenney, who explains this so well. God does not forgive sins because we decide to do so, nor withhold forgiveness because we will not grant it. We announce it, we do not create it. This is the essence of salvation. And all who proclaim the gospel are in effect forgiving or not forgiving sins, depending on whether the hearer accepts or rejects the Lord Jesus. So, if I present the gospel to a student at Starbucks, because we all know that the Holy Spirit lives and works best at Starbucks. If, if I'm presenting the Holy Spirit to a student and the student receives the gospel, accepts Jesus, then I can tell them, your sins are forgiven. I didn't do it, right? I did not create it, but I can tell them that. In the same way, I present the gospel to a student and the student rejects it. Then I also can say, unfortunately, your sins are not forgiven because you are rejecting the one thing that would make it possible. We avoid the Easter fizzle by being about the mission, and that mission is the proclamation of the forgiveness of sins to everyone. I like interaction in sermons, so you have permission to raise your hand if you feel so led. Have you ever been bored in church? If your hand is not raised, you're a liar. <laughs> it's okay, we all, we all know those times. And here's the thing, right? I think church can be boring because people make it boring. But God is not boring. I'm pretty convinced that at the long list of things that God does not really care for, probably at the top of it is boring church services because we, we can make him boring. God is not boring and his mission is absolutely not boring, right? So if we get bored in our lives after Easter, which I know sometimes happens, maybe it's because we are just no longer about his mission. We made it about our mission. And I get this way too often, I will start to get caught up in my goals, my plans, my accomplishments. And those things do satisfy for a little while. If, if they didn't satisfy, no one would fall for them. Money, comfort, status, accomplishment, those things will work for a while, but after a while, it is so boring. We get bored because we are not doing the mission that God invited us into. So I don't normally get to use sports illustrations because I don't follow sports. So it doesn't come across very naturally. I'd rather pull an illustration from a musical and run with that. But <laughs> thankfully, Coach Frank, who was here two weeks ago, he gave me a sports illustration. Coach Frank, who's the head co coach for the Colts, he said something profound. He said that at a point in his life, he had to decide if he was going to be in ministry by going into a formal ministry role or if he was going to be in ministry by going into the NFL. That is being about the mission. Like Coach Frank gets it. He knows that the best thing that he can do with his one life is to proclaim the forgiveness of sins to everyone. It's also just hitting me now that that still wasn't really a sports illustration, but that's okay. <laughs> it's fine. 
There is always something to do, someone to serve, someone to disciple, someone to pray with, somewhere to go, a mission trip to go on. And thankfully also, there is always time to spend with the Lord, lest we think that this is a message just about doing a bunch of things. It is not. We spend time with the Lord so that we are filled up as we go into the mission. But there is always something to do. We cannot get bored because there's so much to do. So we avoid the Easter fizzle by being about the mission. Lastly, would you reread with me, we're going to still be John 20, it's verse 25 all the way through verse 28. So the other disciples told Thomas, we have seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Thomas was always the guy who wasn't afraid to ask questions. Back in John 11, Thomas was the guy who even said he would be willing to die with Jesus. So when I look at this passage, I see some things about Thomas. First, when I see Thomas, I see someone who wanted the same experience as the other disciples. They had had visible proof of Christ's resurrection. He had not yet. And he simply wanted the same thing. I know that when I see God do something in or for someone around me, I often want the same thing. And while it may not be the best motivation, that is not a bad desire. It is not a bad thing to be in the family of God and say like, oh man, what God is doing there, like I want in on that, I want to see it myself, I want to experience it. When I look at Thomas, I see someone kind of like the psalmists. Have you ever read in the psalms and been maybe a little surprised by how abrasive and bold the psalmists are and how they talk with the Lord? I think Thomas is like them. He is not afraid to speak up. He's not afraid to make demands of the Lord. And I think what's great is that God can, of course, cope with that, he would much rather hear from us, even if we say something silly, instead of what we probably too often give, which is the indifference, or the apathy, or the distractions. When I look at Thomas, I see someone also who is willing to change. Now this idea that I'm gonna share with you as I was prepping, I shared it with a couple of friends and got some pretty strong pushback. <laughs> but after we came full circle, we were like, oh, this is good. So bear with me while I try to explain this. It doesn't actually say in the text that Thomas touched Jesus. We often assume that he did. We have probably sat under sermons that told us he did. But not only does the text not say that, but the argument against is stronger because of what Jesus says 
in response to Thomas. All Jesus says is you believe because you have seen me. Why bring it up? I want us to consider that is it possible that Thomas thought he knew what he needed from the Lord, but when he was confronted with the living Christ, he realized he already had everything that he needed. Is it possible that he had a demand in mind for the Lord? I need you to do this. But when confronted, like he saw Jesus and Jesus is talking to him. So when confronted with the living Christ, he realizes, I already have now everything that I need. Some of us are insisting that God will show up in our lives in a certain way. Maybe it's that job or promotion, like, God, if you just gave me that, it's good. The unruly child where you're like, man, if I just had a season of obedience with the kid, like, it would be great. <laughs> or maybe, and I think this is probably what's most common, we, we demand of the Lord, Lord, if you could just give me a sense of significance, like, I just want to matter, I just want to have a satisfaction in my life right now, if you give me that, then we're good. What would happen if a bunch of us holding on to these demands of the Lord were instead confronted anew with the living Christ, realizing that we have everything that we need? We tell God that we know what's best. We think we know what God should give us. But what Thomas did is he was willing to change, a change of mind, a change of heart, and he was willing to do that. You know what believing like Thomas looks like? It looks like 90 plus women and 70 plus men meeting together here on Wednesday nights. In some of the ministry circles I've been in, we use like cool lingo because it makes us feel cool. So one of the things people say is they'll be like, what's the hunger factor at your church right now? Like, are people hungry? And I'm like, you're making me hungry, but like, <laughs> no, pe people ask that. <laughs> I would say the hunger factor in our church right now is pretty good because there are 170 adults who are gathering here more together every day to flesh out Thomas-like belief. That's a good start. And we're going to avoid the Easter fizzle as we're doing that. You know what's going to happen is I think these adults, we're going to be filled with the Spirit. Because the great thing about filling with the Spirit, you do not have the words or you do not need to have the words to describe it for it to be happening. Right? You don't have to call it being filled with the Spirit for it to be happening in your life because it is way more about God than it is about us. And same thing with the mission. These adults, we're, we're going to be about the mission, the proclamation of the forgiveness of sins in Jesus because that proclamation is just as much for people already in the church as much as it is for people outside of the church. So we avoid the Easter fizzle by being filled with the Spirit, by being about the mission, and by believing like Thomas. One of the greatest privileges of my life so far has been being the student pastor here at Eagle. And I wanted to just brag on our students, you know, on the church's students, 
because they illustrate so well these three ideas. Being filled with the Spirit. There is a worship movement going on right now in our community that is student-led. It's called Gather. And students from here, from LCC, from Freedom Church, from New Hope Church, are gathering together on the weekend, putting their own worship nights together to sing, to lift praises to the Lord, to be filled with the Spirit. And all of us youth pastors are like, this is awesome, don't touch it. <laughs> we will mess it up if we touch it. So there's something going on there. I'm not sure, I don't think all the students would call it being filled with the Spirit, but if they keep earnestly seeking the Lord, that is what's going to happen. And then being about the mission. We have a lot of upperclassmen right now who are looking to go into full-time ministry. Children's men, student men, worship men. And it's really encouraging for the youth pastor because we are a very insecure bunch. Like, like we will get real insecure and it is at least encouraging to know I've not failed so badly that they think that what I do would be miserable. They actually, like they might like it. But as exciting as that is, I would want our students to know that we need just as much if not more people who are willing to do what Coach Frank does, right? To be about the mission, not be in ministry. And I, like I get to meet with these seniors who are literally weighing and praying through that. That's amazing. There was two upperclassmen of ours that a while back were having lunch at Zionsville High School. And there was a friend that they were interacting with. And for the first time, the person started to have some questions about faith, wanted to hear about what do they believe about Jesus. And so these two students start tag teaming. You know, like they have different giftings, so they're tag teaming and playing off of each other to share the gospel. The student keeps asking questions. But simultaneous to that, there are other students who are at, that, at those tables, and they are distracting them. They are shouting things, they are mocking them, they are teasing them. One student even picked up trash and threw it at one of our students. And this is in Zionsville High School, church town land, you know. But our students, I think that had they not been being about the mission and being filled with the spirit, that's the sort of stuff that will shut you down, right? Like you'd be like, oh, no thanks, never mind, that wasn't fun. But they persevered because they were not doing it in their own strength. And that Thomas-like belief, a lot of our adult volunteer leaders, they get to kind of see this play out in our small groups, right? Where students hopefully can find safe space to ask tough questions, to be real about what they are struggling with, to not feel like Christianity is some sanitized, squeaky, clean way of living. I love, there is a, there's four students that I meet with on Wednesday mornings um, for Bible study, and this week, one of them, after I'd asked a question and one student answered, he was like, I do not like your answer to the question and I don't even like your question. <laughs> I love that. That's great. That's what, like, that's what we should be doing. So how do we avoid the Easter fizzle? The Easter fizzle is going to come from choosing the, to do the wrong thing with a good thing. I think we all know what it is to have spiritual highs and Easter is prime territory for spiritual highs. But most, if not all of us, also know what it is to fizzle out spiritually. So what is God speaking to you this morning? What is he inviting us into where we'll have a year full of things where we can say only God 
So I want to invite the worship team to start making their way up. I can tell you, at least as of now, what God has been speaking to me. The being filled with the Spirit. Like, that is what God has for me today and tomorrow and probably for a very long time. Because I have to confess to you all that, like, pastor title does nothing, right? So there is way too often times where I'm trying to go through my day in my own strength where I am not regularly praying and just asking, Lord, send your spirit upon me to fill me, I want to empty myself, like that has not been happening enough. I have to own that. That, that, is not, that has not really been prior past way of Ian's Christian living. But like getting into this and seeing like this is what Jesus invites us into, that is what the Lord I know has for me this morning. If you look at your notes and up on the screens, there's three questions that I wanted to pose to us. So first, we'll just read them. Do I need to invite the Spirit in and ask him to fill me? Do I need to take a next step to be more about the mission? Do I need to let go of expectations I have of God and be reconfronted with the living Christ. So those are our three questions. I do not know what God might be elevating in your own spirit and in your own life, of which one of those three is maybe really hitting home. But I wanted to try something maybe a little bit different. Um, after the service is over, sometime this afternoon, tomorrow, Tuesday. Uh, my email address is in the bulletin. It's also gonna be up on the screens. And I would love for people to just email me their name and the question that God was most speaking to them about. And part of that is simply to be able to specifically pray. But the other thing would be, you know, we can't get into always all the next steps in just the hour and 20 minutes together on Sunday. So like, I would love to share with you resources. There's great books written by people about how do you pursue being filled with the Spirit or, or next steps. I can help connect you to some of the next steps of being on mission here at Eagle Church. I can help connect you with people who will not shame for asking questions and sharing doubts. Like, I would love to be a part of making that happen. So. It would be amazing if like, let's say we come back to work on Tuesday because Sabbath is Monday and I'm like, Eric, I need four hours to respond to emails. <laughs> like that would be an awesome thing. We just don't want the morning to pass us by and as we as a church avoid and pray against the Easter fizzle, what are we going to do? So I wanna invite you to close your eyes, bow your heads. And I want to just read these questions over us one more time. Do I need to invite the Spirit in and ask him to fill me? Do I need to take a next step to be more about the mission? Do I need to let go of expectations I have of God and be reconfronted with the living God?
Heavenly Father, thank you for what you did on Easter weekend. We cannot comprehend all of what you accomplished through your purpose. But Lord, we acknowledge that you have a life that you want for us that is so filled with the Spirit, that is so in the way of Jesus' mission, and that is so just in the vein of genuine Thomas-like belief. So Lord, I pray for this church that we would be people who are known for proclaiming forgiveness. Lord, I pray that we would not fall into some rut where we can't point at things and say, only you. So Lord, we ask that as we respond in worship that you would do something in our lives. Give us the, the reminder to follow up, to follow through. Lord, we trust that your spirit will do what only he can do. So we pray all of this in the name of Jesus, who is risen and who is our Lord and Savior. Amen.